0: This podcast is brought to you in association with Cloud Banking.
1: India, just by itself, is such a large, large opportunity uh, that any consumer facing financial services or fintech player in India just hasn't even scratched the surface. Uh, mind you, even the largest players in financial services would always have late single digit or high double digit market shares like in teams or at best 20%. So FinTech has never been about market share game, which you know, you at the end of the day, you have a population in India where financial products are almost a necessity.
0: Welcome to the GFF 23 Show. This podcast brings you a taste of the global FinTech Fest organized by the FinTech Convergence Council, Payments Council of India, and National Payments Corporations of India, happening in Mumbai from the 5th through the 7th of September, 2023. Over the past three years, GFF has grown to become the largest FinTech Summit globally, demonstrating the pivotal role of FinTech and driving sustainable global advancement by showcasing a 360-degree view of its transformative potential. In today's episode, we have Mridul Arora, partner at Fintech and Financial Services at Elevation Capital. Having a virtual one-on-one with Amit Nauka, a partner in the deals practice at PwC, Mridul and Amit get into the details of the current situation of fintechs in India and how aspiring fintech founders need to look no further than here in India itself to find inspiration. Given the right set of people and infrastructure, India is truly the bedrock for innovation within the fintech space. Coopers is the knowledge partner for this episode.
2: Hi everyone, I'm delighted to be speaking with Mridul Arora, partner at Elevation Capital to talk about the state of fintech in India and how it's likely to evolve until 2030. I'm Amit Nauka. I'm a partner in the deals practice at PwC focusing on startups. Welcome Mridul.
1: Thank you Amit, glad to be here.
2: So Mridul, let's start off by taking a status of the current fintechs in India. There are about three hundred plus funded startups in India that have raised at least ten million dollars. How are these companies likely to evolve? And if you just break down the overall digital economy in India, the most number of unicorns have come out of the sector.
1: Yeah, I mean actually we feel this is still a very early start to, you know, mushrooming of fintech in India or blooming of fintech in India. If you really take a step back and look at India from a macro perspective. Today, financial services is probably the largest component of listed market cap in India. I'd give it $8 trillion. FinTech today is less than 10%. I would say anywhere between 5 to 10% of that market cap. Mind you, that number for developed markets is anywhere between 30 to 40% of financial services. Market cap comes from FinTech. So we have a long way to go. We actually feel quite excited about both the growth that exists in India just look at any metric in India, whether it's penetration of lending products, insurance products, payment products, wealth products, we are massively, massively under and underpenetrated. And combine it with the fact that we have one of the fastest growing economies in the world today. And we have an aspiring middle-aged population in India. We think all of these, combined with the very robust financial infrastructure we have, create perfect conditions for the number of whether funded fintechs or unicorn fintechs to only keep growing, going ahead. And we think largely fintechs in India would also be a large component of financial services value creation because a lot of underlying issues in India around solving for access, solving for efficiency, solving for unique and delightful customer experiences can only be done uh, leveraging technology. And therefore, we feel quite positive about the prospects of the industry overall.
2: Right. Mr. if you look at the current fintechs, you see some of them have become extremely large. They, they have gone IBO. You know, there are you know, several at the growth stage. You have been on board of several such fintechs. Now, how do you see specifically some of these companies evolve in terms of growth? Will it be getting more out of the same customer as in increasing product offerings? Is it going deeper into one sector? Is it going abroad? What would be the top two, three growth avenues?
1: Look, first of all, we feel India just by itself is such a large, large opportunity uh, that any consumer facing financial services or fintech player in India just hasn't even scratched the surface. Uh, mind you, even the largest players in financial services would always have late single-digit or high double-digit market shares like in teams or at best 20%. So, fintech has never been about market share game, which, you know, you at the end of the day, you have a population in India where financial products are almost a necessity. And as long as you have a product which delivers value, you have a lot of room to grow. Just to give you a small example, Paytm today has maybe 100, 120 million monthly transacting users which again by and large is only a percentage of population. And by the way, within that, while they use the payment product on a monthly basis, the penetration of lending products, my suspicion is single digit percentage or even lesser. So I believe depending on the business models and players are pursuing, a lot of growth in India will be organic. A lot of growth in India will also be about figuring out models to cross sell and upsell different products the largest revenue pool in India remains lending because we remain a very access stock market. And therefore, one common feature we see across different business models than its payment or lending is around the fact that you definitely need a lending strategy to keep growing and keep tapping into revenue and profit. Insurance is again a very, very large revenue pool in India and growing fast. And there, independently, believe, we believe a lot of innovative full-stack models like Aco will continue to do well. And you know, at the end of the day, even a 5% market share, in my mind, in insurance is a billion dollar or a higher value company. So growth and headroom for growth is definitely not an issue.
2: We are hearing a lot of talk about the good infrastructure, you know, created by India to grow the fintech sector. And some of this may be adopted in international regions as well, taken on by newer countries. Do you see opportunities for Indian fintechs to go global? What would be in some of the sectors where, you know, Indian companies can have a serious role?
1: Yeah, look, most definitely. I think we have a unique combination today in India of having what I believe is one of the best financial infrastructures globally. Uh, You know, UPI today clocking 10 billion transactions a month today is probably the most unique system of that scale, size and impact anywhere in the world. Combine it with the fact that we have massive banking penetration thanks to Jandan. We have a very unique identity system which works at scale called Aadhaar. And you combine all these forces and suddenly you have incumbents in India today working with globally platinum standard infrastructure. And then you add to the fact that today we are really on product and uh, talent factory for the world. So you have the right set of people in India and you have the right set of infrastructure in India. Both of which combined together, you know, really provide the bedrock for innovation. So one sector we feel quite excited about, which has potential not just in India but really, really, our ability to go global, financial infrastructure. Whether it's creating bridges between incumbent financial institutions and fintechs, whether it's creating systems of record and intelligence for large banks and financial institutions to use, or whether it's really thinking through a corporate or a company and figuring out solutions for the CFO's office Uh, and all of them I count in the tech domain. Uh, I think across all of these, there are ample examples of companies now scaling up very well in India and also taking baby steps to go abroad. And that opportunity by itself seemed quite exciting. to us. Right.
2: We will talk about that aspect a bit more. I feel that the whole infrastructure play Um, is coming of age and a lot new companies are coming up like at this time. But Just to stay on the international appeal, you know, often it's seen that a lot of digital businesses in India have got global parallels and which have done well in overseas countries and then they do well in India as well as the digital adoption improves. Are there any examples of global fintechs or global business models that did well internationally but failed to cut the ice in India? Sure, you know, before I answer that, I think... To find innovative
1: models for which people want to have parallels, people actually should look at India and that should be the playbook. I truly believe that in financial services. And just to give you a few examples, you know, UPI clearly in India is an example which the world is now following. Whether it's Brazil, whether it's a lot of international. If you really look at our NBFCs in India, going a little more traditional financial services, I think it's just... Very hard to find a model as robust and as impactful as MFIs, for example, in India, or vertical finances which have existed in India, I get the gold on So first of all, I feel for a unique market like India with very unique attributes, which is a fairly dispersed population, a very, very underserved market with a large population being in rural India. Uh, actually, the model innovation has really happened in India and players, you know, my request to a lot of fintech folks in India would actually be not to look global, but look domestic and get inspiration from such well-run institutions we have right here. Now, coming to your question of thinking through which global models haven't found success and haven't found great parallels in India, I think, look, again, uniquely India remain a very, very access to market and a lot of Western models, which work very well with populations which have high financial penetration and high financial affluence, are models which are likely to not adopt so fast in India. It's not to say they'll fail, it's to say that the time will come maybe a little later. And one model particularly I've seen is the whole neo banking model where you want to go liability first, uh, which is you want consumers to come, open their primary bank accounts with you and keep balances. Um, I believe that model, the time will come in future. And that model is a little too early for India because A, we are still early in our journey of everyone having bank accounts and having significant balances. And on top of that, we have banks in India which are strong, solid brands for households in India. And when it comes to giving your money, that trust in brand plays a huge role. And that, by the way, includes public sector banks like SBI as well. And therefore, those models are a little tough to scale in India. But if you look at any model, in India, which even starts with a new-age approach or a tech-enabled approach to solving for credit or access, uh, for example, those models get adopted fairly fast.
2: You have uh, had the very good track record of investing into some of the fintechs very early in the game. So what are the few opportunities or segments that you are exploring at the moment?
0: Before we go on with the episode, a quick word from our sponsors. In the heart of the banking world, where every second counts and efficiency is paramount, a revelation, a cloud solution Indian banking can rely upon. Cloud Banking. Process loans in less than 10 minutes with seamless integration, automation at its finest, and workflows that adapt to your needs. Step into the future. Elevate your bank's lending operations with Cloud Banking. Now, back to the episode.
1: Look, I again go back to the framework I laid out in the first question. I think we see India will remain for next many, many decades, a market where just increasing reach and penetration and access is the most important vector of differentiation or value creation. Within that, we like a bunch of models and we have never shied away from investing behind full stack plays or what I call manufacturing plays. So typically you would see fintechs being platforms and balance sheet light platforms or regulation light platforms globally, we actually believe the opposite is true in India. If you really, really have to innovate on customer proposition, on product, on pricing, you have to really rethink the whole product design fundamentally. And that requires you to have both regulatory blessing and capital. So examples of that will include, you know, ACCO, for example, which we've been very privileged to have been early partner. Which is a full-stack in order. We actually went ahead and took an insurance manufacturing license. Similar plays exist on financing side any which way, whether it's NBFCs like Axio or people trying to solve for new to credit customers. At the same time, we feel now India has become sizable enough to have vertical-specific solutions. So there is a set of deep enough, homogenous customer segments which have very unique needs and they require solutions. The perfect example of that, I feel, is vertical payments. So that's another sector we feel very excited about. So clearly on consumer payments, we have large horizontal players such as PTM, phone pay. But there are business-to-business verticals where we see a very contextual vertical solutions could be very helpful. You know, again, a shiny example of that is education as a vertical. Schools and C payments is a very, you know, friction-led process today both for schools and parents. And again, education is a spend where parents really want to aspire and spend. So affordability also is an angle. So areas like that, we have a company called Jodo, for example, which is solving for education, payment and contextual, uh, which becomes important. We think a lot of embedded financial services will become relevant. So think of a business to business transaction like supply chain. Again, GST has come in force. Everyone's paying digitally and supply chains are getting more organized, uh, which is a perfect environment for, you know, credit and movement of goods to get unburned. So we like supply chain financing in the segment a lot. We have um, like Mintify and Cashflow working on both accounts receivable and accounts payable side, which is interesting. We think as India becomes more affluent, more customized, personalized investment solutions become more important, which is we think you have to really reimagine wealth management, has a very nice blend of technology and financial expertise, which is where companies like Deserve will play a large role. Honestly, you take any segment and feel we are at the leg where a lot of innovation will keep happening. The only one point I would argue for doing FinTech in India would be that players should not be shy of being regulated and getting a regulatory blessing. Because I believe in India, those licenses and regulatory blessings actually are a competitive event
2: uh, rather than a barrier to your growth or valuation. Right. A lot of white spaces. So if you have to do some kind of a crystal ball mm-hmm. grazing, if you have to look into 2030, I would like you to share your views on uh, three aspects. One is that how do you see the incumbents in financial services padding out? That's one. Second one, you spoke about regulatory. How do regulations evolve in India? And the third one, how many fintech unicorns out of India? Fair enough,
1: look, I don't know how to guess exact number of unicorns. Will I contextualize? A little bit of thought experiment we did a few months back, actually, internally for our team purpose. You know, you look at India today and you look at India market cap today, which is give or take three and a half, four trillion dollars. <laughs> As I said before, financial services is maybe 25, 30% of that. So let's say $1 trillion. Look, the way India is growing, it's not hard to imagine that by 2030, a listed market cap for India should be anywhere between 7 to $10 trillion, or at least it should double. So let's say 7 or $8 billion. It is also not hard to imagine that financial services will continue to be a 25, 30% component of that so give or take let's say two two and a half trillion dollars fintech today is less than 10 percent of financial services market cap i'm of course betting my career and my daily life on the fact that this is going to increase and even if we reach 20 percent number we are looking at a value creation of 500 odd billion dollars and today we're sitting at less than 100 so first that's a context that at least helps us Feel very excited and motivated to show up at work every day because our job is to find these value creation, and we think half a trillion dollar of market cap is waiting to be created in tech. So that's just the context I feel is important for us to have in 2030. Now, how much of that incumbents will carry? Uh, I mean, a uh, hell uh, lot of you know. Clearly, India today has one of the most well-run banks and in financial industry in India, whether it's SDFC, Kotak, or We all aspire. Uh, to learn from them and get inspired from them so of course a lot of it will be them capturing this but i think a lot of room in this half trillion dollar of come from new formations and new regulations in india in my mind could always feel like two steps forward one step back but in the larger scheme of things if you trace back the history of last 20 30, 40 years though and crisis globally has actually come in handy and saved us from a lot of crisis and I think we should think of regulations as a competitive edge uh, and an advantage that you should take keep innovating and getting the regulatory blessing on your business model and while in short term this feels like pain in long term it really really compounds just uh, you know look at Cortex's journey of getting a bank license versus without a bank license I don't think that we were. Ever- 20% of the market cap there today had not got the bank license. But the journey to building a bank was very tough and hard. And I think that's what FinTech should take in front. So yeah, like overall, I've seen like the value we have created over the last over 70 years. I think over next 10 years, we'll create more value combined. Than that. The value creation journey is accelerating. And within that, I think FinTech will find a place in the sun and feel the the enormity of that value is
2: huge. That's really awesome, man. That brings me to my final question. If you meet a young Mritul Arora today, who's just starting off the career, would you be a fintech investor or a fintech entrepreneur? Ah, and Look,
1: I see I'm an entrepreneur as an investor as well. I love meeting people, eclectic ideas and eclectic business models. I get my joy out of working with the smartest people in the room. So having lived past 12 years as an investor I would happily relive this and I think whether you're an investor or an entrepreneur or whether you're an advisor much like you I mean, I feel we are in really really the golden era of what India has the potential to deliver over the next 20 years and uh, I would rather be building or investing in India than anywhere else in the world right
2: awesome totally agree with you and thank you so much for um, sharing your valuable insights appreciate it
0: We want to take this opportunity to thank Amit Nauka, partner in the deals practice at PwC, and Mridul Arora, partner in FinTech and financial services at Elevation Capital for taking time off their schedule to bring you this episode. The Global FinTech Fest, global collaboration for a responsible financial ecosystem. Inclusive, resilient, sustainable. Happening in Mumbai from the 5th through the 7th of September, 2023. The Global FinTech Fest 23 is brought to you by the National Payments Corporations of India, the Payments Council of India, and the Fintech Convergence Council. For more details about GFF23, visit globalfintechfest.com. To listen to previous episodes of the GFF23 show, visit ubersaga.com. We also want to thank the team at Ubersaga, the official podcast partner for GFF23. Post-production and sound design by Subhash. Editing, scripting, and voiceover by Abe.